This week on Intrigued, Full Effect. I believe my daughter done met somebody that may be holding her or maybe have her caught up in some kind of sex trafficking. I just want her to know that I love her, I miss her, I need her here with me. I need her here with me. My life is not right without my child. I need her. I'm Shandrea Thomas, and welcome to Episode 3. In this podcast, we talk about curious cases, disappearances, and other stuff. And today we're talking about the 2008 disappearance of 16-year-old Shamika Cozy from Berkeley, Missouri. We spoke to her mother and to police about her case. This is what happened. It was the night of December 29, 2008, in the early morning hours. According to her mother, Shamika was visiting her cousin at the 6,000 block of Napier in Berkeley. She was on the phone with someone that night. Then at some point after 1.30 a.m., she walked out of the house and hasn't been seen since. Shamika's purse and coat were gone, but her overnight bag was left behind, and the front door was unlocked. Shamika's mother, Paula, says the last 10 years of her life have been unbearable. Mika came up missing at her cousin's house in Berkeley. She went to visit, which she goes and visits and spends the night there all the time. Uh, this was a Sunday, which I never forget. So she, her cousin, my niece, came over to pick her up, and they went back to Berkeley to her house. And the next morning is when they called and asked me when she's at home. And I said, no. She's not there, and they said no. They said they woke up, she wasn't there, and the door was unlocked. So from that day on, we have not heard anything else. That night, I asked my niece, did Mika go anywhere? She said Mika did not go anywhere, but Mika was in and out of the house that night. So I do know she was going in and out the house that particular night. Shamika seemed to be living the life of a normal, everyday 16-year-old 10th grader at Hazelwood West High School until she disappeared. She was just going to school. Um, she had, I, I want to say September, October, she had went to homecoming. That was her last picture that she had took was at homecoming. And she, I had just had a baby. My baby was eight months old, so she was my babysitter. When she got home from school, she would watch her little sister and I go to work. And so that's what she was doing for the last eight months. Tell me about your last conversation with your daughter. Well, actually, before she went over there, we was at a friend of mine's house in baiting and when I got ready to go I said where's Mika and she was outside walking around and I was upset with her that day because we didn't live in that area and I feel like she shouldn't have been walking in that area because she didn't know anything about that area Mm -hmm. so we had a discussion about that and she was saying I was being overprotective and 
like wasn't nothing going to happen to her and she was okay and she know how to take her herself. She always tells me that that I worried too much and was too overprotective about things. But I that was one of the conversations we had before she left and went over her cousin's house because I didn't like that she had just walked in the area where, where we didn't live, know anything about. So I know we had had that conversation. And I always think about, did she meet somebody that day? I spoke with Berkeley Police Major Art Jackson about the case, and he says it's classified as a runaway because there was no sign of foul play, and they believe she walked away on her own. As for leads, there are none. He also said that Paula submitted DNA into the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, known as NamUs, along with Shamika's dental records. This can help investigators track DNA matches down the line. So when it comes to phone records, what do you guys have from that standpoint? Well, she was when she was over to her cousin's house that night, she had used the phone. And Berkeley got those records off of my niece's phone. And it was a number on there that we was questioning. And we called it. And it was the lady asked the phone. The lady said that when Mika had called that night, she said it was the wrong number. Because we asked her about it. Did she receive the call from this number that night? And she said she had told her it was the wrong number. We found that very strange. My niece said that was very strange. She said she believed the lady was lying. Well, of course, we ain't, couldn't prove that. About five months before Shamika went missing, Paula saw her daughter get into a black 300, and she still wonders who was in that car and if Shamika met up with that same person the night she disappeared. I strongly feel like that she met someone. I Because rumors, some of the rumors that I had been hearing that she was talking to an older guy. That's one of the rumors that I had heard. I myself, I seen her get in a black tinted 300 one day, and I asked her who was that when she came back. Who was that she was with? And she said that was a friend of hers that had their parents' car. I didn't believe her, but that's all I had to go on. Um, I never seen that car again after that. When I seen the car and see her get in it, I actually ran out of my apartment to try to catch her. Shamika also had a secret boyfriend, but it's not clear if she was still in that relationship at the time of her disappearance. Did you allow her to date or what was going on there? Well, I didn't allow her to date, but she did have a guy at school named Jeremy that she was called her boyfriend wrote all on, you know, how we write all on the folders and Jeremy and Mika and and all this. In the days leading up to her disappearance, did you notice anything different with her behavior or anything that she was doing or any of that? Nothing different. I always go back to think about that. It was nothing different. I think about conversations we didn't, we had I mean, one time she told me she was um, scared she was going to change her route going to school. She would walk to, she was walking back and forth to Hazelwood West because we live right down the street from Hazelwood West. So she was walking to school. But she was taking a cut going through the woods from the apartment instead of taking the street. 
So one day she told me, she said, I'm going to start going through the woods because I'll be scared. And she said she'd be hearing stuff through the woods. So those are just things that I think about that she'd have said, but it was never nothing of it. Were there ever any tips or anything like that that indicated where she may have gone, who she may have been speaking with, or or anything like that? Did you find anything on her social media? Did she have a social media account at the time or any accounts? She had a MySpace page. And it wasn't anything on there. Um, I guess what I noticed and was concerned about is when she had her mood and it was high. Mm. So... So yeah, she um smoked marijuana. Um the boyfriend, Jeremy, he came up Berkeley Police Department and he said that she was going out to strip clubs in East St. Louis. Well, that's something I don't know anything about. But I also asked the police, could he tell me, ask him when did Mika go? Because I'm I'm strict, you know. So when did she go to a strip club? After the disappearance, Paula also discovered her daughter had a fake ID. After I went through her room, after she came a missing, I go through her room. I find one of her friends' sister, older sister, ID that my daughter kind of favors a little. So this is how, if she was going, this is how she was getting in. I still have this young lady ID today. I still have it. Apparently, I'm thinking Mikkels is using this ID, which is her friend, older sister ID, to get in clubs. So that's how I figured that. So now I'm trying to figure out when do they have this opportunity. She went out with them homecoming night. Let me ask you this question. So homecoming was how far from the date that she disappeared? What was the time span between those two? Two months. I asked Paula if she thought her daughter was groomed and somehow pulled into the sex trade. I believe my daughter met somebody that may be holding her or maybe have her caught up in some kind of sex trafficking or something. Another frustrating part about the case is that both police and the family agree that Shamika's friends didn't say much to investigators, but family members believe they know more and should speak up. What she may have been involved with or anything? No, I tried. I tried to talk to them. They they wouldn't talk to me. That, that was the strangest part to me. She had start talking to these girls that stay in the apartment below us. When we first moved over to the apartment, they weren't cool like that. They weren't talking. All of a sudden, they got cool, and they friends, and she's downstairs with them, and that's when she started going out and stuff like that, apparently, because that's the only way she could by using one of their ID. So, then I'm thinking, okay, now she didn't came up missing. First place I go to is downstairs to ask the girls what what do they know. 
they wouldn't talk to me. They said they didn't know nothing. So when I talked to Berkeley, tell them about the girls, and they called, asked them to come up to the police department. Their mother said that they didn't want to get involved in it. So now I'm wondering, get involved in what? I'm just asking questions. I need to know answers. You keep saying get involved. Get involved in what? What is my daughter involved in? Nobody would not tell me anything. Right today, I still reach out to that young lady that I have the ID. I reached out to her and her messenger on Facebook, and she never responds. I don't know why they want to talk to me. The um, boyfriend, he came in, but I don't think he had was bad things to say about her and saying all kinds of stuff of what she was doing. So, but I don't understand him either. Like, this must have been your girlfriend. You call yourself dating her, but you come in and you have nothing nice to say about her. So, I mean, like, I question his motive. I question where he at right today. You know, I've been trying to find him. And I just don't understand how these people just, they just don't care. I ain't trying to find out this was your friend. If she was your friend, why you're not trying to help find out what happened to her? What happened with the searches? Did they search for her? Did they have any idea of where to go? Or are you just kind of your daughter disappeared? Poof, she's vanished. And you just, you're just left with, with no answers of any kind. Nothing. Well, Berkeley wasn't going to search for her because they told me she ran away. Oh, she gone with some guy. She'll be back. They told me she'll be back for school because it was over the Christmas holiday. Well, school came and still no Mika. She still hasn't came. So it was like when I would see them, they would ask me, have you seen her? You talked to her? She came back yet? They were so for sure that she had ran away. The only searches that were conducted were done by the family. We went in the area, and of course, we went to Kenlock because Berkeley near Kenlock, and that's where it's easy to drop bodies. So we searched that area, and from then on, we just passed out flyers. We just kept flyers and passed them out. The family also crossed state lines into Illinois and checked out the strip clubs near East St. Louis. We don't know which one she go, went to, but we have rode over there before and passed our flyers. But exactly where to go, we just went. Over the last 10 years, Paula says not one tip has come in. She also wants to make it clear that her daughter has never threatened to run away from home. Nothing. I haven't heard nothing. It's like she vanished. I haven't heard no rumor, nothing, no sightings, nothing. Shamika's disappearance is also taking a toll on the family, both physically and mentally. How have you been able to make it through your days with all of this? Ooh. Unfortunately, to make it, I have to not think about it. I do understand why family with missing persons, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to get involved in things like this because it's hard to talk about and you want to forget it. That's easy to do. But it's also hard to do because you're missing a part of you. This is 
this is my family. This is my daughter. Her big sister misses her. She getting say her sister name. It hurt her so bad to just say her name. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that my youngest daughter don't know Mika. She don't know her other big sister. And if she knew her other big sister, she would love her to death. My Mika always took care of all the kids. And I hate that my youngest daughter don't know her that way. And my oldest daughter is so she I think she's just angry. She she seems angry because my sister is gone. She just be mad all the time. <laughs> oh wow. Is there is there anything that um I know this is hard for you to talk about, like you were saying, so I, I appreciate you doing that. I know that, you know, it's important just to keep her name and her face out there. You know, and maybe in in hearing your voice and hearing the pain and sorrow that you're dealing with, someone will come forward with information to help you, you know, find out where she is, what happened, and to get her back home. Because there's no yeah. way. I'm 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 just gonna jump to this conclusion really quick, but I'm gonna listen to based on what you told me. There's no way that your daughter would stay away from you guys for that long and not communicate with you in any way, whether she was angry or ups, upset or whatever. No way. No way. It's no way. She's, mm. She can't reach out to us. That's what this is. She can't. If she was able to, she would. When Mika came up missing, I, I felt I instantly went into depression. I lost over 100 pounds. I, I mean, I had got so little. I went to the emergency room because I stayed in my room until I literally almost died. I did not want to go nowhere, do nothing. My body was shut down. I wasn't eating. I had to go to the emergency room and get myself back together. I have pictures where I was, went from size 16 down to size eight and it was hard so for you to have to do your own work your own footwork after something like this is horrible there was also an unnamed female friend that paula discovered shamika had based on notes passed back and forth in class she says the notes contain a lot of personal information and she may have clues that can help in the case Mika had started Hazelwood West, where she had started new friends. I didn't know some of them, but I do know that it's somebody at that school that she was communicating with on a regular because that's who she was writing those notes to in her books that I have. I would love to know who this young lady is because this young lady also was writing that she was pregnant by some guy and all that. Both of them was talking back and forth in these notes. But Mika never brought really friends home. Through it all, Paula has found a circle of friends in St. Louis who are all connected by the tragedy of having missing loved ones. They understand. They can relate. They can say, Paula, I understand how you're feeling. 
we're going to get through this. What do you believe is the biggest lesson that you've learned from this entire process as you've gone through this whole search for your daughter? You can't expect law enforcement to do everything. So unfortunately, I guess that was my attitude that that's what they should be doing. Instead of, I didn't know, I didn't know that it wasn't enough manpower or we don't have that unit. Um, I didn't know all that was going on in the department. I thought they was actually looking. If your daughter was able to hear this, is there something that you would want her to know from you? I just want her to know that I love her. I miss her. I need her here with me. I need her here with me. My life is not right without my child. To help deal with her pain, Paula started hosting yearly events to help educate the public about the missing. I just want anyone, anyone who knows anything to contact me. I can be contacted. I have Facebook or I'm always, I have posters on my car. You, you, everybody knows my car. I have to admit that my interview with Paula was heavy. There was a lot of emotion and you could hear all of it in her voice. And at the same time, she's holding on to hope that her daughter will make it back home. I have a few things that, of course, I'm trying to keep forever. <laughs> a couple of shirts that I refuse to get rid of. Um, and folders that I have, when I flip through them, I feel like I can still smell them. Smell her. Might seem a little strange, but I never forget her scent. Mm. Wow. All right. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. When it comes to my final thoughts about the case, I think about what I know and what I don't. I know that Shamika would be 26 years old now. I know that her last known height and weight was 5 foot 5 and she was between 130 and 160 pounds. I know that she was wearing a tan-colored old navy jacket and a pair of blue jeans and her hair was pulled back into a ponytail. What I don't know is why police have absolutely no tips. It would seem that over time that someone would have said something, but to have absolutely nothing, that has to be horrifying and agonizing for the family. What I do know is that her mother's heart is broken and she wants her child back home. And what I hope is that someone will hear this podcast and pass on information to help Shamika's family find some degree of closure. Thank you for listening to episode three. I'm planning to post a blog and pictures, including an age progression picture of Shamika on my website to go along with this podcast. And if you have any cases or disappearances that you want me to check out, just message me on the Intrigued Full Effect website or via email at intriguedfulleffect at hotmail.com. Until next time, be safe and stay true. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Intrigued Full Effect, Curious Cases, Disappearances, and Other Stuff podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the host. 
The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The host of this podcast assumes no liability or responsibility for any activities and connections with opinions shared in the podcast. The podcast and blog associated with it shall not be used in any legal capacity or as a basis for expert testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or blog. This podcast uses copyrighted materials that were fully authorized by the owner. Music by Pond5